2: On News Radio 680 WPTF.
1: And I'm Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner.
3: And I'm Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. And we're here to answer your questions for the next hour. Well, Doug, Deborah,
2: um, we've got some very interesting questions that many of our listeners
3: ask that we hear during the week. We do. And some of them are. How should your 401k be positioned based on your available investment choices through your employer plan? Or how do you roll over your 401k or 403b or other retirement plan? And then where should you invest it? How should your overall portfolio be balanced? Should you own stocks, bonds, REITs, or mutual funds? What investment vehicles should you currently be invested in based on your current age, Risk tolerance, retirement goals, etc. How do I
2: prepare for college funding? How do you prepare for financial independence? And what about on the cash flow side?
1: Well, yeah, you're right, Linda, because those questions really pertain to investments first, but there are inv- questions that people have with regard to their cash flow. For example, They might want to know how to invest any surplus money from their paycheck on a monthly basis. Or they may want to know how do they actually create a budget. Or they could ask, what's the difference between my discretionary expenses, my non-discretionary expenses, and my regular monthly expense?
3: Do you have questions about insurance? How do you know if you have enough insurance? Would it be adequate? What type of insurance should you have? How much will you need to pay the other spouse's expenses if you were to die? Now, what about the difference between types of insurance? Should you own term, whole life, universal, second to die? What about long-term care insurance? Are you thinking about that? Do you have a question about disability insurance? Is there any way that I can avoid or reduce
2: the alternative minimum tax? What about using a charitable trust to sell real estate or investments tax-free? And are there any investment vehicles that can reduce your tax burden? Should your business be an S-corp, a C-corp, or an LLC, or a sole proprietorship?
1: And am I paying enough or too much in quarterly taxes? And of course, everybody has an estate. And questions about your estate are important. You might have a question that says, do you need a revocable living trust, a simple will, or credit shelter trust? You might have a question about reducing your estate tax liability when you die. And you might have a question about avoiding probate costs. These are estate questions.
2: You're listening to Money Matters on News Radio 680 WPTF. Give
3: us a call at 919-872-7000. We look forward to meeting with you. And I just want to say that life is very precious. It really is.
2: We take being alive (laughs) and living for granted sometimes because, you know, in life we're very busy and whether it's taking the trash out, or paying bills, or cleaning the house, or running to the grocery store again, because we can. You know, we just, we do things that are on the list, that are on our, you know, that are our responsibilities, and sometimes we just forget how precious life is. And To those of you that are out there listening to our show this evening, and maybe you've lost a loved one, maybe you're a widow, or maybe you're a widower, or maybe you're a caregiver, and you have a loved one that's terminally ill, or battling a disease, and I just want to say to you, our hearts go out to you, because um, yesterday I went to a funeral, and... Life is very precious, and people are precious, the people that we deal with on a day-to-day basis, and this person happened to be a neighbor, and you know, at first I, you know, I have been very busy, but as I began to remember this person... I remembered that we used to go to the swim team, you know, and we were rooting for the kids and and taking them to pizza after the swim meets and, you know, and then when you lose that person, it means a lot. It, it brings back a lot of tender memories. So to those of you that are listening this evening, we hope that maybe we'll bring you a little bit of cheer this evening uh, if you're suffering loss or maybe... Missing your loved one, our hearts go out to you this
1: evening. Wow, that came. (laughs) (laughs) Took me by surprise there, Linda, but I understand. Uh, Estate planning brought you right to the funeral that you went to yesterday. And planning is everything, and life is indeed very precious. There's no doubt about it.
3: If you'd like further information, call us at 919-872-7000 or go to our website. Doug and That's DougAndLinda.com. That's DougAndLinda.com.
1: Mary Ann, how can I help you with your money matter this evening?
4: I am one of several recipients of a rather large estate. The executor will have to file with the IRS.
1: All right, and when you say you're the recipient, has someone passed away already? or are you yeah, think yes,
4: someone passed away about four months ago. All
1: right, so this is a relative of yours that passed away. And the executor is?
4: Is a bank in Arizona. All right. I'm just curious. Uh, they keep saying that it will probably take about two years to settle this estate because when you send in the uh, forms to IRS, which have to be done in nine months, and they're going to wait till nine months, after that they say when they audit sometimes it takes a year, a year and a half. My question to you is you, do you have any idea how we heirs could expedite that?
0: That's a
1: real good question, and I have a sneaking suspicion that it may be possible. My guess would be, and I would not like to be quoted on this, what I'd rather do is have you call me at the office and I will put us in touch with an estate planning attorney. I work with several very closely. How many heirs are there? Well, there are, uh, there are
4: four of us that will get the residual. And, uh, there
1: are four heirs, all right. Uh, well, give me some numbers so I know what we're talking about. Oh, the,
4: well, when it gets to us, it won't be very much. The estate's about uh, 1.8 million.
1: All right, so a one point eight million dollar estate, and are there heavy credit uh, creditors against the estate? No,
4: no, no. There, it was about ten fifteen thousand dollars worth of bills to pay off, and that's all been done. All right, but the bank is going to take about fifty thousand bucks, and then we don't know what the lawyers fee will be, mm-hmm. and then there's one other uh, a gift of a hundred thousand dollars, and everything that's left gets divided four ways.
1: Oh, that'd be a very good question that I would like to run by one of the attorneys that we work with and see if a unanimous decision amongst the heirs can change executors.
4: Oh, it's uh, no, that's not my question. It's too late to change executors. We're way into it. If that was to have been done, and I thought of that, I I thought of writing the judge and ask that my brother be allowed to continue. He had power of attorney for two years to pay all the bills, but it's too late. The bank has got a, the bank is in the same state where the the court is, they're not, and we're all from someplace else. Uh, What I had in mind, is there anything we could do about writing directly to the IRS office saying, look, you know, is there anything we can do to expedite this audit that they apparently will audit? And I thought maybe if the four of us said, look, you know, let's go with it. We're all close to 70 years old, or some of us are 50, but most of them are 70.
1: Yeah, I think there are some things that you can do. Again, i i'd want to be I'd want to be using an attorney. But I think there are some things. You can, it shouldn't take two years to file a tax return. That's for sure.
4: No, no, it only takes nine months to file the return. You have to file it in nine
3: months. This is Deborah Lewis. Call nine one nine eight seven two seven thousand. To set an appointment with me regarding your financial situation, call me at 919-872-7000. So
1: why is the estate being audited?
4: Oh, they just assume that every uh, estate of any size gets audited by the IRS.
1: Well, that's not necessarily true at all.
4: Well, I I thought the bank is a little, uh, but I thought maybe if I wrote, and, and this would be the Ogden, Utah branch, I thought maybe I'd just write and ask them to do an immediate audit. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, but you've had no experience with that, I think. No,
1: I don't it's think you've a little bit off of your I don't well it's not off it's it's not off of my area. i I I I'm working in this area all the time but I'm working with an attorney is what I'm saying. Well, we genu- we we generally bring in a state planning attorney in who is represent who 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 is able to represent himself before the IRS oh, and as it's, see you see what I'm saying
4: ah maybe that's what the four of us
1: could do well that, that's that's exactly what I'm saying if you will call me at my office i I'll, I'll see about getting us in in touch with. An attorney who works in this area, and he was able to go ahead. You see, you, your attorneys fall into several categories. Number one, you've got estate planning attorneys that simply go ahead and prepare wills and trusts and so forth. They're very uncomfortable dealing in the area of taxes and accounting. Uh-huh. There are other estate attorneys who are also CPAs and who are very comfortable in this area, and they like to actually represent you before the IRS. Um, you see what I'm saying?
4: I see. Well, I didn't know that. Exactly,
1: exactly. And the consumer doesn't know, typically, they're not questions that you ask an attorney, and quite frankly, uh, they're not types of questions that you would ex- be expected to ask. But the attorneys that I like are the ones who are able to go in and work in both areas simultaneously. They know their ways around the IRS. and They also know the estate tax laws. Huh? You see what I'm saying? So you, yes, you want
4: somebody who's expert in estates and
1: taxation. It's estates and taxation and comfortable dealing with the IRS exactly. Uh, and his represented ones before the IRS. So, Marianne, if you'd like to call me at the office, I'll go ahead and see about getting us in touch with someone that, uh, that I've worked with and that I can feel comfortable recommending to you. Well,
4: I appreciate that very much. You're sure welcome. Thank you for your time. You're
1: welcome. My office number, by the way, is 872-7000. Okay. Thank
3: you very, very much.
1: Thank you for calling, Marianne. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now.
3: So, Doug, what are your thoughts on Warren Buffett's recent comments that seem to endorse index investing?
1: Well, first of all, it's impossible to be an investor and not have tremendous respect for Warren Buffett and his track record. I have a special appreciation for just how difficult it is to do what he has done. Now, Mr. Buffett's approach at Berkshire Hathaway has many similarities to how great active managers have built their superior track records, and that's through what we call bottom up investing, rigorously analyzing companies building durable portfolios. This is what we call research-driven, long-term, buy-and-hold approach, and that means less trading and lower expenses and actually index-beating results. Wow. Americans need to save more for retirement and to get invested and then to stay invested. So, indeed, uh, I respect what he has done a little more than what he is saying.
3: That's a good way to put it, because in general terms, he says for most individual investors, and that might be for those who uh, do not have a financial planner and do not know uh, about other active management. Now, Mr. Buffett is not the only indexing proponent. Why do you think this view is so prevalent, Doug?
1: Yeah. Well, we do agree definitely that the average investment manager does not outpace the stock market over meaningful time horizons. However, a fairly simple fact has gotten lost in this debate. Simply put, not all investment managers are average. It's like we would say, just because the average person can't dunk a basketball doesn't mean that no one can dunk a basketball.
3: And Doug, wouldn't you agree, Mr. Buffett and others acknowledge that there are exceptions?
1: Yeah, there are exceptions. The average manager can't beat the index, and so the index funds are definitely a better choice than the average. But selecting a manager whose track record suggests that has the potential to deliver better outcomes can make a very meaningful difference in an investor's life. For example,
3: investors in an index fund will generate market returns. On the other hand, by investing in certain select funds, investors can have an opportunity to outpace the index. For today's investors, the difference between the market average and even 1% better returns over the long term can mean a much larger nest egg for a retirement that could last
1: decades.
2: Well, Doug, how does an investor find above
1: average funds? Yeah, and... That's what we do. That's exactly what we do at Lewis Financial Management. We do not believe in index funds because we believe that there are funds that can consistently beat the indexes. Extensive research definitely dispels the common myth that's impossible for an investment manager to beat the index. Among the tools for identifying them are two straightforward screening criteria and the first is expenses. So selecting low Cost funds, ones whose fees are lower, can significantly increase your success rate.
3: That's a good... First screen. Another screen is one that we like to say when a manager has skin in the game. When they, you know, put it another way, when the manager actually has invested in his own funds that they are managing, they tended to do better over various
1: time frames. Yeah, I like to see managers that have over a million dollars of their own money in their funds. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's the second screen. And using these two simple screens identifies a very select group of funds that have, on average, consistently beaten their benchmark indexes. And this can help increase the probability of identifying some exceptional funds and and also screening out the rest.
2: Yes, Doug. And and isn't it important that these managers be actively involved
1: in
3: the funds that they're managing.
1: It's definitely important, Linda.
3: You're listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Call to make an appointment with Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner of Lewis Financial Management. Call 919-872-7000 or visit our website, dougandlinda.com.
1: Hey, Lynn, let's take Jenny's call, then we'll come back to this. I think we've got Jenny on hold. Jenny, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you?
5: Hey, Doug, this is Jenny, married to Wayne from Georgia. And, um, <laughs> I am actually driving through North Carolina and thought, oh, it's time for the Lewis program.
3: So
5: I on and um, I hear Linda give her very nice uh, talk about uh, how precious life is, <laughs> and um, it made me want to call and just say hello, because all three of you are together, Aww. and um, I also just wanted to say that you guys, we both Wayne and I have been very happy um, with navigating through this retirement uh, thing, um, that it was very difficult to go from the safer retirement, safer retirement, safer retirement, to suddenly oh, now we have to enjoy retirement. That was, <laughs> Yay! That was a difficult thing. And um, I just wanted to tell you guys that, and anybody out there listening that you guys have been really, really great in, in helping us to get to that point where we're actually able to enjoy our retirement and, and understand more, more than we've ever understood about you know where your money comes from, how you fund things, and all that kind of stuff. So, I just wanted to say hi and thank you. Oh, Aww. Jenny. You,
3: Jenny, <laughs> hugs and kisses. Okay. Well, well thank you, you very
1: much, Jenny. We do appreciate it, definitely. And it's our joy, of course, to know that we can, number one, Help clients like you guys go from what we call the dilemma of success to financial independence, go through the changing shift from one stage of life to the next, and to understand, to get the understanding that you're not involved in a speculative type of crapshoot, but instead you're really uh, going through a process which is understandable. And we really appreciate your call this evening. Yeah,
3: thank you so much for calling, Jenny. (laughs) Okay, you guys have a good night.
2: All Thank right, you, drive
4: Jenny. safely. Bye.
2: Yes. Okay, bye-bye. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewises on News Radio 680 WPTF, and we love our
3: clients and we love our listeners. <laughs> if you need help, call me, Deborah Lewis, 919-872-7000. 919-872-7000. Well, um, you know, we were just uh, having that little discussion about Yeah, just fund what's the managers difference? That's and right. what is
2: the difference?
3: So, Doug, do funds from certain managers offer something beyond the possibility of higher returns?
1: Yeah, and, you know, quite frankly, I'm glad Ginny called in. That was a very nice surprise, which I wasn't expecting. But she, of course, knows quite well, as do all of our clients, we do not recommend index funds because... Index funds allow the opportunity to benefit when the markets are going up. That's true. But by investing in index funds, you're also locking in all of the market's losses. Index funds may have their place, but they provide no buffer against down markets when things are going down. Despite the trillions of dollars that have flowed into them, only about half of the investors that were surveyed last year are even aware that index funds expose them to 100% of the risk during down markets. Risk and losses. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so actively managed investments, they at least offer the potential to lose less than index tracking investments during market declines. And I prefer to put my money and to put my clients' money in funds whose managers have track records that have beaten the indexes.
2: You know, I really appreciate um, this little discussion that we've had because so many folks that come to us, uh, many of our listeners that have become clients, um, they have questions about whether they're in appropriate uh,
3: vehicles inside their portfolios. That's right. That's usually where the the conversation begins. Exactly. Here's what I have. Is it the right place for me to be? It's important,
2: isn't it, to revisit and to reassess where you stand with your investment goals, your time horizon, and your risk tolerance. So think about what stage of life you're in, and if you're just starting on your investing journey, you might want to set up a savings plan. And for some of the folks that come to meet with us It's a three- to six-month living um, uh, emergency fund, right? That's right. And if you're nearing retirement, you might want to adjust your asset mix to better protect your savings. Now, for those of you that have already retired, your consideration might be that you want to alter the monthly withdrawal amount that you're taking.
1: Yeah, so be prepared to discuss during your meetings both short and long-term goals, how your investments can provide for your near-term needs as well as your lifetime plan.
3: Another thing you'll want to ask is, how might changes in my life affect my investments? Have you lost or changed jobs? Have you adjusted your retirement date? Are you going to work longer or less long? Have you recently married or maybe you've gotten divorced? Have you become a parent or a grandparent? Are you sending a child to college? Have you experienced a change in healthcare costs for you or your family? Or how about are you beginning to support an adult child or maybe an aging parent? All of these things can change what your investment needs and your goals might have been. Another question to ask is, Is
2: your asset allocation in line with your investment goals? Investment portfolios can shift over time and they become more or less aggressive than you might have intended. So if your investment mix is out of sync with your preferred asset allocation or your investment objectives have changed, this might be the right time to rebalance your
3: portfolio. You know, Linda, a lot of people accumulate... Uh, in their 401ks, and they might make those investment options uh, 10, and they might have made them 10, 15, 20 years ago, and they might have a million dollars and they need to reassess
1: are they still invested in the proper investments? So often we see that they began with something that was only maybe a uh, hundred thousand, 120,000, and here they're meeting with us now years later, and we see that. You know, it's close to a million dollars, and they're way wrong. It would have been right when they were at 100,000. Way wrong now with this kind of so money. So
3: true. So true.
2: It, it's important to reevaluate as time goes on. Another question that folks need to ask is Should, my, should I inju- adjust my portfolio to minimize the effect of the market volatility? The truth is that no one can predict with any degree of certainty what will happen to the market over the next week, the next month, or even year. Short-term swings are driven by investor emotions and often get exaggerated in both directions before rational thinking wins out. So day-to-day market moves are something that no investor can control. It's important not to let such noise steer you off course from a well-reasoned
3: and disciplined investment plan. And that's what we do at Lewis Financial Management. We help you see your whole uh, financial world holistically, how everything is going to affect uh, all the other pieces and parts. If you need help, call me, Deborah Lewis, 919-872-7000. 919-872-7000.
1: You know, there's been a lot of news coverage about the Federal Reserve and plans to raise interest rates, and you might wonder how that could affect your portfolio. Well, when you hear the words interest rates, it typically means the federal funds rate, which is the rate that banks charge other banks to borrow money, sometimes overnight. When the interest rate is raised, it makes borrowing money more expensive, which affects how consumers and businesses spend. It's the way that the Fed attempts to control inflation.
3: And this leaves households with less disposable income. People will have less discretionary money to spend when in turn, which in turn affects businesses' revenues. And businesses, therefore, might not borrow as much of the more expensive need money to expand. Bonds also have an inverse relationship with, with interest rates. When they go up, bond prices go down. You might want to consider how your portfolio would respond to higher interest rates. If it seems they could negatively affect your portfolio, consider adjusting your investment
1: mix. Yeah, that's also important to realize. A lot of people think that bonds are so safe, therefore those are my safe investments and stocks are my risky investments, but that isn't the way it works in a real portfolio. Bonds are only safe if you hold them until they mature. So a 20-year bond is perfectly safe if you hold it for 20 years, but nobody holds it. For 20 years, especially if it's in a mutual fund. So if you have a bond mutual fund, then they're not at all safe, which means that you may be thinking you're in a safe investment and you're in a very, very risky investment because of this interest rate inverse relationship to bond values that you talked about, Deborah.
2: So it's important to have these kinds of reconsiderations, isn't it? Now, another question to ask is, how do global events affect my portfolio? Should you be concerned about your exposure to the markets that are outside the U.S. Domestic and international headlines can make investors nervous and affect the market. So for investors and portfolio managers, a period of volatility can present opportunities to invest in strong
3: companies at attractive prices. Now, what can you do uh, better to be prepared for retirement? This is probably the most frequent question that we get asked. And I would say perhaps the best way to prepare for retirement is to meet with a certified financial planner like my father, Doug Lewis, or me, Deborah Lewis, at Lewis Financial Management. Give us a call during the week at Lewis Financial Management. Make an appointment to sit down face-to-face and discuss your your situation. The number at our office during the week is 919 8727000. 8727000 that's Lewis Financial Management 9198727000 Invest as much as possible as early as possible with the appropriate investments over the long term. However, even without the ideal scenario, there are steps that you can take to boost your retirement savings. So don't feel left behind or the time has passed. You can do a lot to speed things up and get back on track and it all begins with uh, meeting with us at Lewis Financial Management. Now, you might consider contributing more per pay period It's important to know if your employer has a retirement fund match that can provide additional money beyond what you're setting aside. And then after you've done that, you'll want to contribute to an after-tax fund. You want to buy investments inside and outside your retirement accounts. You need to know how much you can set aside monthly and then do so. Withdrawing during retirement from these two types of accounts is the optimal scenario. So, Linda, if someone's been listening and thinking, hey, this is what I need to do, Well, how do we begin? It's very important to write down your financial
2: goals. They may be immediate, like developing a strategy to pay off debt, or a short-term goal could be saving so that you can buy a house. Others have longer-term goals where you have to think about what kind of a retirement that you envision for the future. And secondly it's important to make a list of questions that you want answered. If you meet with an advisor, they should, a competent advisor should be able to answer all of your questions. So, Come prepared with specific concerns that you have about your situation.
1: You know, I would say through the years, Linda, that the young ones so often don't have their questions as well as the older clients. You're right. Very often I, I've, I've noticed that folks that come in to see us that are 65 or 75 or even older, when we ask them at the beginning of the meeting... After we've established the relationship, when we ask them at the beginning of the meeting, what are your questions that you want to address today? They very clearly, they've got questions that have been bothering them for some time The older ones seem to know that questions are important. And the place to begin. And the place to begin. All right, so Lynn, what else? After making a list of the questions, what else?
2: It's important to gather any important documents that you have and specific information is needed in order to accurately assess your personal financial situation. So usually what we look at are any statements from all of your accounts current statements that you've gotten uh, regarding your investment accounts, your bank statements, et cetera, et cetera. Any information about other investments such as real estate. Then we want to know what about your income? Are you, uh, do you, you know, your payroll, your social security income? Maybe you have some rental income from real estate. Then we also want to look at what are your monthly expenses, And do you have any loans, any credit card uh, loans or car payments, et cetera, et cetera. And the most current tax return is always helpful. And the last but not least is any estate planning information. You may have questions about insurance. Are you overinsured? Are you underinsured? And if you have a will or a revocable living trust or any other trust that you might have. You know... A lot of folks are really excited about the game. (laughs) And the most important thing is winning the game. (laughs) And whoever wins tonight is going to be the winner. So what about financial planning? It is important because time is what you have. Time is the only thing that you have on your side, right? And you have to make the right decisions. Don't you, Deborah? You do. You, Don't have, you, Doug? you have to think it's worth what, it to win. Exactly. And this is what we've been seeing with all of our clients at Lewis Financial Management. So if you've got a question, make an appointment. Call us at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. Let's help you be a winner. So,
3: Doug, what should people do? What should retirees do about their income? How does one live off their investments if their investments are producing lower incomes than they once did. What's what's the solution?
1: Well, I think the solution for many people is to look for alternatives. You know, there are two ways to create income. And I like to use the illustration of chickens and eggs. If the chicken is your investment and the egg is what comes off of your investment, it's a good illustration. So one way is to go ahead and kill chickens. Another way is to get more eggs. But if you're only owning securities that produce very few eggs, then you're in a problem. So you wanna have an appropriate mix of both. You want to have some investments, some funds that are growth funds in your portfolio that are for growth. And yes, you may have to kill some chickens to get some income from them, but you also want some investments in your portfolio that will cover your living expenses that are egg producers. The science and the art of this is, is what we do. We help you balance how much in uh, one type of investment, how much in other type of investments. And when people hear of alternatives, sometimes they think of uh, very exotic and risky types of of investments, that's not true. There are alternatives that are extremely risky, such as commodities uh, and hedge funds, hedge funds, and so forth. Right. But there are also alternative investments that are just straight income producer, which are not exotic. And of course, that's what we do at Lewis Financial. We help you balance the portfolio so you have some egg producers and some just chickens that grow fatter.
3: Doug and Linda, when we talk about alternatives, sometimes I think a little, um, in the back of my mind, that some people often hear that as what we hear is code word for annuities.
1: I'm glad you said that, Deborah. It didn't occur to me when I mentioned it earlier. But if you're out there listening and you think that uh, the Lewises are hinting at buying annuities, the answer is threefold. no. No and no. <laughs> we do not consider annuities as an alternative, as an income-producing investment. An, al- right. an annuity is an insurance product from beginning to end. It's just an insurance policy, and we don't approve of them for income.
2: And part of that is because you give up control. Yeah. Uh, so maybe explain 100% that, of Deb. that. Yeah, can you I mean, explain
3: that? Well, let's use Doug's chickens and eggs. And, and as an aside, one day when you have a headstone, <laughs> I think it might have chickens and eggs on it because you are definitely the man in Raleigh known about chickens and eggs. And everybody can get that. So it makes sense. It's so easy to understand. But we don't want to ever give up our chickens. I mean, literally, that means if you give away your ing- that, that lump sum to the annuity, company or the insurance company, you've given it up. It's gone. It's not yours. Instead, maintain control, have an investment that produces income and you keep those eggs and you keep the chicken.
1: Yeah. And you're right. And I like the way that uh, that Linda threw the question in there, because basically the annuity is an insurance product. And using that illustration, it's very simple. The insurance company says, give me all your chickens And I'll give you eggs for life, but you get none of your chickens back. And that's the trade-off. We don't like that. We like you to keep your chickens and also keep your eggs.
2: Speaking of chickens, I saw something in the News and Observer.
3: Somebody's renting out their chickens. Did you see that? I did. I thought that was hysterical. <laughs> so if you don't have to buy them, you can just check it out and see if you want to be a chicken farmer or a chicken owner and have eggs every morning. Listen, I, hey, I grew up having fresh chickens. I think it's great. Chickens and eggs. Yeah. For those of you listening tonight, we're, we're, we're being a
2: little silly here, but... When my kids were younger, we indeed we had live chickens, and every morning the kids would go out and they would get those eggs. So it's a very appropriate um, story for us to use uh, you know, as we're dealing with investments and income it's It's a real one because we did have chickens and eggs. <laughs> if you hear something
3: tonight that sounds like your situation. Call us, set up an appointment. We can help you. 919-872-7000. 919-872-7000.
1: I want to remind our listeners that we do have a website that we like our listeners to go to. The website address is DougAndLinda.com. DougAndLinda.com. And again, we'd also like our listeners to know that if you're one of the clients that comes to see us this coming week, we will be giving one of... Three free books again, either copy of the book The Wealthy Barber, copy of a book The Middle Class Millionaire, or copy of the book Simple Wealth Inevitable Wealth.
3: You know, Doug and Linda, we also should remind everybody that we're on Saturday nights from 6 to 7 also.
1: I think a lot of clients don't know that. We haven't been telling everybody. We are now on Saturday and Sunday nights, all at 6 o'clock. And some clients have been asking us, is there a way they can go and hear uh, old programs? And yes, you can. If you go to WPTF.com and look for Money Matters. Uh, You'll see there, you click on where it says the hosts, uh, who are the hosts of WPTF, and then you'll scroll down and find us, and you'll see us, and then you click on Money Matters On Demand, and you can find podcasts of our old shows, either listen to them on your computer or on your smartphones. That's great. All right, Doug, let's take another call. John, this is Doug Lewis with Money Matters. How can I help you this evening?
6: Uh, Yes, Doug, I had a question for you. My wife and I are going through uh, refinancing our mortgage now. Uh and the question that I have is is we're going looking at the options of going from a thirty to a fifteen year type arrangement. Mm-hmm. Uh comparing that to say the additional amount that well, the situation is that we don't our our new mortgage is only available in a thirty year, we're going with a five twenty five plan. Right. Um uh, and we're comparing whether or not to pay the additional amount to say pay it a fifteen year amortization. Versus putting that additional money into some other type of uh, investment.
1: How old are you, John?
6: I'm uh, 28.
1: 28 years old. Are you, are you employed? Sure. What's your income? Uh, around uh, 45. 45,000. Your wife's income? Is she working? Yes. What's her income? Uh, around 30. 30,000. Combined family income, about 75,000. Any children at home? Uh, none yet. No children. What we call financial planning for dinks. Dual income, no kids. Dinks. That's right. I, living expenses should be able to live on actually probably one of the, one of the incomes. Right. Would hope so. (laughs) That sounds good. That means you, all right. Now, what you've just basically asked, and what's the size of the mortgage?
6: Well, one other thing I'd like to to say is that the the house that we're in now, we're, you know, would like to, well, uh, you know, optimistically, we're looking in five years or less to move out of this house into a larger house. So we're, we're taking a short-term view versus, say, keeping this house and paying it off. So that we definitely know that we will be moving out within four to five year time frame.
1: All right. Uh, how big is the mortgage? Uh, it's see, uh, the de- The uh, amount of the, that you want to borrow. Uh, around one hundred and five. One hundred and five thousand dollars. What's the value of the house? Uh, one hundred thirty thousand. One hundred thirty thousand. And what is the delta, the difference between the thirty year and the fifteen year payment? Uh, around, if I recall, about $250. $250 extra a month. Right, that, that's the... That's, right, that's on the 525 on the 30-year versus the 15-year fixed. Uh, right, right. Gotcha, gotcha. The okay. question is, in five years, can you invest $250 a month and accumulate more than the interest rate on your loan? If you can't do that with your eyes shut... Something's wrong.
6: Right. right.
1: Something's wrong. Uh, If I could have, I would have had you even be in lower. And because you tell me that you're leaving in five years, see, with a 2% annual cap, you could actually be even getting, be getting any better a better return. But yeah, you'll accumulate more. Any decent mutual fund is going to go ahead and get more than 5% for you over the next five years.
3: If you don't have a certified financial planner to work with, if you haven't met with a certified financial planner, call me, Deborah Lewis at Lewis Financial Management, 919 872 It might be the most important call that you make this year.
1: Yeah, now the whole trick to this thing is that money better be invested in a pay-yourself-first plan at the beginning of every month. You'll feel feel like a real fool if five years from now that money is not sitting somewhere having accumulated.
6: Right. I, I guess what from everyone that I've kind of, you know, just around work and whatnot, I'm knocking it around with different people, is that do you want to accept that risk Whereas if you're putting it into your house so that you're not making anything other than what your interest rate of your mortgage is, you know that you'll get that money out when you sell the house.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, you're listening to this, the, uh, these people who are your new financial planners, and <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> right. In my opinion, they don't. Right. Okay. Yeah, you need to go ahead and select a good mutual fund, work with a certified financial planner to help get a, a mutual fund that will, that will accomplish your objectives, and then go ahead and have that money drafted at the beginning of every month and you'll be tickled pink five years from now. Right.
2: If you would like some more information on this, I'll be happy to either send you some information or discuss it with you further, and you can call me at the office, and the number is eight seven two seven thousand. That's USA 7000, and I'll be happy to do what I can to answer your questions.
1: Okay. Thank Appreciate you for calling, you John. Uh-huh. Bye-bye.
2: Well, Doug, Deborah, it is always good when folks Um, ask questions about
3: what is the best way to get a mortgage. Absolutely. It turns out that, you know, no matter what the thing is, that you're having a, a consideration about whether or not to buy, especially on a monthly basis, but it really always comes back to, well, as long as you are doing some investing in a way that we call it our office, pay yourself first. At the beginning of the month, you won't feel like a fool at the end. You you'll understand that it paid off because five years later, ten years later, John will have what he has he, he what he gave up and what he has made more in, in investing that two fifty every month. Exactly. I agree. And that's you. how we accumulate is on a monthly basis. It's it's the beginning of the month. It's it's knowing that I'm gonna spend what's left over. And the better you get at that, the more you can set aside a month. What else is new in the world of retirement planning? Well, you know, Doug, Linda, there is sometimes a very large tax bill lurking in your tax-free retirement account, and some people may be shocked to find this out.
1: Yeah, that that is a very big shock to many people because... The common thought is, if I have money invested in an IRA or a 401k or anything, it's all going to be non-taxed while it's there. But there was a, a retiree in Queens, New York, who was referenced in the Wall Street Journal, and she was stunned to receive notice from the IRS that she owed $92,000 on taxes for her IRA account. Well, Because like many Americans, she thought the account was tax-free, but she found out she was wrong. And it is absolutely possible to owe annual tax on a tax-deferred retirement account. And most people aren't aware of that, uh, and and I would have to say a lot of stockbrokers and investment people just recommend putting investments inside an IRA without checking for this. But taxpayers have to beware that as IRAs get bigger and bigger in size, so does the potential for taxes on those accounts if they have. Invested in some types of alternative assets like private equity funds, limited partnerships, operating businesses, and real estate.
3: Yeah, this thing that we're talking about, what is this thing that can creep in if you get into some of these speculative, uh,
1: non-traditional investments? The thing that's hiding in many of these investments inside of IRAs is called UBTI, UBTI. Unrelated business taxable income. And these UBTI rules apply to IRAs. Now, there's no tax if the IRA has interest, dividends, gains from the sale of stocks, or mutual funds. But the rules do impose taxes when an IRA invests in operating businesses that pass profits and losses directly to the owners, such as some partnerships, some limited liability companies. They can tax IRA income that is also debt financed. Whoa. So I guess you really need to be very careful. You've got to be very careful. As more IRA owners look to invest in alternative assets, a couple things to ask right away before you invest.
3: Okay. Ask before you invest. What the? T- this is the time to find out if there is a UBTI. Ask up front you Is know, there a UBTI in this investment?
1: Well, you know, a lot of people don't know. How do I find this out? It's all there. Yeah. If you read the prospectus, <laughs> it's disclosed in the prospectus if there's UBTI. If there well, you is, know,
3: you bring up a good point, Doug, because a lot of people recommend investments that may not know even whether the UBTI exists in the investment itself. So some. Sometimes you have to be your own advocate and say, well, if I ask the right question, that person might be able to go get the right answer. If you have a question and would like to ask it either after hours or have me call you back after the show, feel free to call the office 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000.
1: That's a good point. I imagine there are a lot of stockbrokers that sell investments, and if you were to quiz them on what's UBTI, they wouldn't know what you're talking about, but it's right there in the prospectus of what they've sold their customer. Right,
3: right. So even if if you're uh, the person who sold you the investment, didn't know, you need to find out.
1: Now, the second thing is is to understand the tax bite because UBTI is taxed at trust rates. Every IRA does get the first $1,000 of UBTI tax-free. Or as an exemption. But anything over that $1,000 of UBTI is going to be taxed real high. And so right. you it's need to know that. Trust of course,
3: rates, not and, individual rates. That's
1: right. And that's what we look for. We check yes. all of that. Yes, Even if you've got large IRAs, come see us and mm-hmm. we can quickly tell you if there's any UBTI lurking in any of your investments.
3: Now, Doug, if there is... Who files uh, Who files this this form or this tax? Who announces to the custodian that there is this UBTI?
1: Well, you've asked two questions at the same time, Deborah. But the the real question behind the question is who goes ahead and reports to the IRS and files the, and pays the taxes? It's not the individual; it's the custodian. Tax on UBTI does not go on the IRA owner's return. Instead, the IRA must apply for its own taxpayer ID number. That's called the 990T with the IRS. And then the custodian pays the tax. And it can be a real mess. So, Sounds like uh, it. Yeah, it is. And I have seen clients that have come to me and they've had that mess and we've straightened it out for them and so forth. But UBTI is definitely there lurking. And as these IRAs get bigger and bigger, You know, a lot of people, they've worked for 20, 30 years. They have half a million dollars or more in a 401k. They retire. They roll it into an IRA. They invest it. Uh, And without even knowing it, some of their investments have got UBTI in there because nobody did the check. So
3: let me ask you a practical question. So in regard to this example that was listed in this article, the lady finds out that, uh, because she gets a notice from the IRS. So is it the investment tells the IRS there was ubti in their investment and therein because the investment is held by a custodian the the Investor is told by the IRS, regardless of how it's owned, you own it.
1: Actually, the invest the custodian is told by the IRS oh. that the money is owed to the IRS, and so the custodian is simply going to call you and say, "Well, <laughs> hey, Your we are going to come up with these taxes. Mm-hmm. What do we do?" And we're going to now worst
3: case scenario. Let's say the ninety two thousand has to be collected. There is no cash in it. This means that this would force a situation where she would have to. Because sell something.
1: The custodian's going to have to sell investments. Right,
3: with or without the, the client's That's permission. Right. Yeah. Very complex. So I can tell you that um, IRA rules are are strict and they must be followed. So you must know what you own in your IRA. And if it's at risk of UBTI, give us a call. Make an appointment. Call us at 919-872-7000 to review your IRAs. Well, Doug, Deborah, what else is new in, in the world of
2: investing?
1: Well, I would say as long as we're on the topic of IRAs, self-directed IRA accounts can and very often are being used to house real estate. Real estate can fund your retirement, but you have to brace yourself for lots of risks and rules. Self-directed IRA accounts, they do allow people to diversify their investments into assets other than traditional stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. And that does make up most retirement plans. But examples of alternative investments would include real estate, precious metals, oil and gas holdings. And here the catch is that the IRS requires a qualified trustee or custodian to administer these assets, such as handling transactions and managing paperwork and reports. And so far in the United States, there are only about two dozen companies that have qualified to act as custodians of these self-directed IRAs. The
3: rules governing real estate IRAs are anything but simple. IRA owners are forbidden from engaging in certain transactions regarding the property. Even something as simple as mowing the lawn of a property you own in an IRA can run afoul of IRS regulations and render the account owner susceptible to losing the IRA's tax-favored status, which could trigger taxes and penalties. That's because IRS rules require contributions to an IRA to be made in cash, not in services.
1: In fact, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that the U.S. Government Accountability Office recently issued a report on retirement security last month. They warned that people who invest their retirement accounts in unconventional assets like real estate, or virtual currency may be really placing their investment savings at risk. And then you have the
3: whole issue of the RMD or your required minimum distribution. When you were 70 and a half years old, you're now required to take a required minimum distribution. And this has to come from your retirement funds. So you may have to figure out a way, maybe tapping your rental income or something, to come up with a way to withdraw this required minimum distribution. So here are some things to consider when, consi- when creating a real estate IRA. First and foremost, consult a financial advisor for the finer points on self-directed plans.
1: Yeah, they're not for everyone. There are plenty of easy opportunities to invest in real estate using mainstream methods like mutual funds or real estate investment trusts, REITs. It only makes sense to do direct real estate investments if you're a seasoned professional and you're convinced the project you're investing in is an absolute winner and you're willing to take the risk that the IRS is going to be challenging you.
3: So Doug, Linda, because these are so complex and easy to foil, we don't recommend them. But if you're listening tonight, If you have one, if you have questions about yours, give us a call. Let us help you find what might be in your IRA, what might be susceptible to uh, ruining that tax-deferred status of your IRA. Call us this week, 919-872-7000, to make an appointment.
1: Well, we've really had a lot of topics we've covered tonight. We've covered UBTI. We've covered uh, real estate investing, self-directed IRAs, Uh, We've covered enough and we had some good callers tonight. We've enjoyed all of our callers. We want to go ahead and remind all of our listeners that we will be on again Saturday night, next Saturday and Sunday. Remember always that to us, your money matters because your financial future is at stake.
2: Have a wonderful week, everyone.